Voice of the Blue is brought to you by the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. Check them out at APHF.org. The American Police Hall of Fame. We are the keepers of the history of individual law enforcement officers that honors the fallen and supports their families. A training facility that teaches civilians how to be their own first responder that offers free tactical and strategic training for sworn officers. A great place to visit and learn. Go to APHF.org to find out more. Welcome to Voice of the Blue. I am Royce, your host, bringing you an intimate look at the men and women of the law enforcement profession through their service, their stories, their lives, and often through their own words. This podcast is brought to you by the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. Check them out at aphf.org. One of the things that I often do here on this program is interview retired law enforcement officers, talk about their life of service, see things as they saw them through their eyes, let them tell their side of things and their stories. And today is going to be no different. I have a very close friend of mine here in the studio with me. He's a friend of another gentleman that I interviewed on this program not too long ago, Sarge, uh, Mr. Scott Lindsley. We call him Sarge. And uh, my next guest here served with Sarge in his agency in the city of Melbourne, Florida, in Brevard County. His name is Mr. Kevin Fain. Kevin, welcome to the program, brother. Thanks for having me, Royce. I appreciate you being appreciate being here with you. Well, no problem, man. That's fun to do, and it's good to honor people who have served their communities, especially in the capacity that you did. Now, you didn't start out in law enforcement. You had a stint in the military first. Want to tell us about that? Um, that's correct. Um, I uh, arrived to be in Marines about, um, I went to Marines two weeks after graduating from high school. Um, it was quite an adventure in itself. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, United States Marine Corps. Hoorah! Huh? Yes, sir. All right. Four years of that, huh? Yes, sir. And that's it? Just four years? Uh, yes, four <laughs> years. I tried to stand, but ironically, uh, things happened a certain way in which I was, uh, which I ended up getting out of the Marine Corps, which was a blessing in disguise because it got me off into another career. Oh, into the law enforcement that's correct. Uh, all right. Did, have you, did you grow up in Brevard County? Um, partially. Uh-huh. Um, my high school years were in Brevard County. My uh, previous years were in uh, Palm Beach County, West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. All right. And you served with Sarge Lindsley. He was on the program several episodes back. And uh, uh, it's good. That's just a great guy, I tell you what. I, I, he's, he is... 
If, if Sarge is your friend, you have a friend for life. Scott's a great guy. Yeah. I was there when he came on. Yeah, no kidding. So you were there before him. Yes, I was. Oh, because he had 37 years total in law enforcement, but it, it wasn't all at Melbourne. I know that. And you had, what, 27 years in law enforcement? Uh, 26. 26, uh, I had sorry. a short stint with Coco Police Department Okay, uh, in the middle there somewhere around 1989. But I ended up returning back to Melbourne, Melbourne Police Department. Okay. All right, well, what, what high school did you graduate from? Rockledge High Rockledge School. Rockledge High. Yes. Yeah, me too. Class of 81. Class of 1978. No kidding. Yes, sir. Dang, you don't look like you're older than me. Um, I'm pretty ancient, Royce. Uh, yeah, you're got, pretty well-preserved, too, for an I, ancient dude. <laughs> you got to stay prepared. You look like you can still get out there and throw down with some of the punks on the street. <laughs> you know what? Somebody else told me that, and I think I have to agree with them. Okay. <laughs> Well, what got you into law enforcement? Uh, was it something in the Marines uh, that, that clicked, or what was it? Uh, it's a very funny story. Uh, my best friend uh, actually introduced me to the two, job, the two jobs that ended up working. Uh, he introduced me to going to Marine Corps. We supposed to went in together. That didn't happen. I ended up going alone. And once I got out, he uh, mentioned to me about job with the Melbourne Police Department as a trainee. We both were supposed to have been going in together. That didn't turn out <laughs> the way we had planned, and I ended up getting that job. Also, it was never a uh, dream of mine. Uh, ironically, uh, I was working a job at the time, uh, Harris Corporation making $4.42 uh, four an hour. Yeah. Uh, police trainee at the time was playing five ten an hour. And I thought, well, that's more money. Um, I'll be a cop, and I, and I think everybody will like me if I became a cop. Uh, I wasn't rude awakening, huh? <laughs> uh, very rude awakening. I was uh, very naive, uh, very ignorant of the fact, and then also uh, I didn't understand that there was uh, some cultural issues with being a police officer, particularly you know being a black police officer. Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, ironically, I, I didn't realize that the distrust of police really is very strong in, in black communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an interesting island to be on. Right. So you, you're dis distrusted by the black community as a black police officer simply because you were wearing the badge, huh? Uh, correct. Um, what, what do you think that's, what, what, where do you think that disrespect comes from, though? Because honestly, I've thought about that. Where, wh who, who started that that general sentiment? Uh, uh, I think historically, um, just, just some of the struggles that uh, blacks have had in this country. I think uh, uh, the images I remember as a kid, uh, unfortunately, were not good images. Whenever I saw the police on TV, they were. Uh, uh, dealing with protests yeah. in the 60s. Water hoses. Water thing, hoses, yeah. police dogs. dogs. Uh, and and it was also uh, in my own family, um, The uh, I, was sh I was shielded from all that stuff. Uh, whenever we saw police, we generally went the other way. Mm. And, and that's the way I was raised. So uh, it wasn't looked upon as uh, a person you sh should necessarily trust because... Um, there were just some things back in those days uh, that was going on that was right. just, uh, it was all about self-preservation. And mm -hmm. the further you stay away from the police, uh, the better off you probably are. Yeah. You feel that's changed over the years? 
at all? Um, it did, but now it's, it's taking another turn. Really? Um, uh, it's it's sad because, uh, and now I've I've gotten into many uh, discussions with uh, people concerned the police on uh, a lot, not necessarily good discussions, but. I don't think people realize, particularly uh, the people that are being uh, programmed to fear police don't realize that that's the very thing that's needed in their own neighborhoods to protect them. Um, and I know that we've used a lot of our resources to protect them, and now there's this uh, outcry of not trusting the police um, over an incident or two when in reality, there's means of contact with citizens by police that people don't realize the uh, efforts people go to, that police go to help them, mm -hmm. um, including um, some personal things they do to help people. And I think people have uh, forgotten about all that. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine that's quite a, uh, a mental and even an emotional transition from what you saw growing up of the police profession and now you are a police officer, and you are, I'm imagining you were experiencing some of that distrust. Um, what would you, if you could translate to the people that distrusted you, your feelings, um, how would you do that? I always, always go back to this conversation I had with my mother back in 1984. Um, it was a time I was thinking of quitting. Um, it was my rookie year. Um, I was very inexperienced, very naive, very green. And unfortunately, during that time, um, there wasn't a lot of black police officers. I was in, working in an agency that, um, to be honest, it wasn't very welcoming. So I went to my mother, my, 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 my point of inspiration. And I remember, I never forget what I, I, I told her. I said, Mom, I don't think I can do this job. Uh, I said, the white people don't like me, and the black people hate me. <laughs> wow. And I, I just, I don't think I can do this job. Mm. And my mother gave me, my mother told me those six words that I hold on to this day. And she said, baby, do the best you can. And that's when a, a light bulb kind of clicked on that I was going to have to scuffle and fight my way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, my journey was a testimony to my mother's words. Yeah. Well, I imagine that um, pushing beyond that and looking back over your career now, uh, how, how does all that gel in your mind? Well, um, I, think, I think about the sacrifice. And I think people don't realize that in the beginning of a, of a law enforcement journey, which I call the, the greatest filter of all time, because you will lose so-called friends, even family. Um, you will find out who really loves you. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, but the more sad part about the journey is, in the beginning, whatever relationship you may have or marriage you may have is going to be very tested. And in most cases, you don't end up at the end with the same person you started out with. Yeah, and that's, that's the sad part because of... The sacrifice, the yes. uh, stress, and it's also the stressors that ooze off onto your own family as far as the job that you do. Yeah. Did you have some of those issues with your own family even? Uh, they looked at you wearing a uniform and maybe 
uh, intimated that you were what a traitor or something or um i've i've heard some some uh, snippy comments at some family reunions uh ironically one of them was from a cousin of mine i thought we were okay but i, I guess we weren't and um it was kind of sad because i wasn't looked upon as a relative i was still looked upon as uh even on my own family as far as being the man oh so you were no longer a relative you were the to, man. to them and also uh just some of my opinions and again uh i have the the black perspective when i see uh certain controversy as well as the law from the aspect and so some of my attitude is is i don't really think it's mixed i think i kind of go with more facts than feelings right and unfortunately I think you can program people to go with more feelings than facts, and yes, and I've lost some some close relationships with some family because uh, I'm I'm out to anyone I'm, I'm pro police for the right reasons, and and I can see some of the some of these uh, controversies looked upon certain ways, but I think people just forget that these are anomalies; these aren't. This is not regular police right. anything. These are human beings that are sacrificing themselves out there for this society and for people to just smear that profession. It it, it irks me because it, it it's a reflection on my service also. Yeah, absolutely it is. It absolutely is. Um, again, well, we've talked about before, and a matter of fact, at a recent podcast uh, we did here for Voice of the Blue with Andre Delo, he talked about people feeling unappreciated or underappreciated, uh, not just by their community, but also by those above them, too. Did you ever experience some of that, uh, people above you that um, didn't back you up like they were supposed to? Um, yes, and it was, uh, unfortunately, it was career-shattering for me because I call it what it is. It was, I call it a betrayal, um, you know, uh, and 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 this is not to uh, to not my agency. It was just that is, that incident was such a betrayal to me that most of the people in Asia didn't understand because of uh, what eventually happened. And I spoke to you about it a little bit today. Uh, it was concerning the suicide of a friend of a fellow officer that right. was mishandled, <clears throat> and and how. Wow, it's a very powerful story yeah. uh, because there's a lot of things people didn't know about why I had what I consider a righteous anger of how we treated one of our own and how it could have been rectified a little bit more to a point where we didn't force the incident to happen. Right. We, you know, we should have used some patience, just like we would a hostage situation. Yeah, uh, this I, I know the incident you're talking about too. Yes. I remember it very well. And uh, I didn't you write a, a, a editor a, I, a letter I, to the editor? Uh, yes, I did. Yep, I read. I remember reading that now. Um, and and when I when I speak of betrayal and and things people didn't know, um, uh, my friend did do whatever they said he did, but they. they the thing that really was the betrayal was I was trying to negotiate that situation so it didn't have to happen. And uh, when a phone conversation that I had with them, the last phone conversation I had with them, they uh, 
the administration decided to use that conversation as a as a an additional means of terminating them, uh, unknownst to me. Oh wow! And and at that time of that conversation, I can say I did. I know I knew absolutely nothing that was going on, including uh, my conversation with my friend, who never told me what the whole situation was about. So I was very blindsided by that and very bitter about that um, because I, I couldn't imagine the last words of my friend seeing is my name yeah. uh, as far as uh, being used as a tool to uh, to end his career. Unfortunately, yeah. he ended up in, it, in his life, but um, that was a lot to uh, fight through, particularly those last uh, years I was there. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of impact did that have on his community, him being a black officer, too? What, what, what was the, the impact there in that community? Uh, well, you know, I, I guess I sum it up like this. Uh, even when you make a mistake, you got to show your care. And um, I will say that I felt like um, there wasn't any concern shown. Um, there was no... There was no one there to console family, friends. There was just, I call it one of those, well, that happened, let's move on to the next thing. Um, I imagine that affects you to this day. Um, yes, it does, because I, I've learned from that, um, you can't, you should always reevaluate your loyalty and what you're loyal to. And I, at that time, before that incident, I felt very loyal and um and that's why i had to call it a betrayal because that's how i felt yeah um and and being a, a former marine uh loyalty means a lot yes uh, integrity um things that things that were just instilled in me and uh, unfortunately when you, you go out in the civilian world with civilian agencies um it's, it's just not the same well um, so, well, I'm hoping that was the only dark spot in your career as a law enforcement officer. I hope that there were some um, some lighter times, so to speak. So, uh, what, what what tell us? Maybe tell us about uh, your funniest traffic stop. You got one of those? <laughs> um, well, I <laughs> a funny traffic stop. Um, I can't, you know, I can honestly say, um, most of the funny things involved, uh, when we weren't so tender with our feelings and we used to be able to play some pretty good jokes <laughs> among each other. Um, you know, uh, there have been some funny moments as far as, uh, I can't think of one doing a traffic stop, but just police, uh, calls in general. There's, there's so many of them. It's, it's. It's hilarious. Um, that's that's definitely a comedy material. Yeah. Well, Sarge Lindsley used to tell me that he would, uh, on occasion, pull over somebody, and they would open their wallet up, and he would see a concealed carry permit in their wallet, and he would say, oh, you got your carry permit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got my carry permit. And one was a girl. And he says, well, uh, do you are you carrying your firearm now? And she said, no, sir. He said, why not? What do you think I'm going to be able to be here at a moment's notice if some guy tries to grab you? Why aren't you carrying your gun? And she just looked at him like he was crazy. What, a police officer saying this to me? <laughs> he said another guy, uh, he uh, saw his concealed carry permit, and he mm -hmm. says, 
um, well, you got your firearm on? He goes, well, I've got it in, in my vehicle, but he says, I'm not carrying it yet because I, I really don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't feel like I've got enough training. And he said he's heard that more than a few times from people. And he said, well, what do you carry? He said, well, I've got a Glock. He says, but I don't know how to take the thing apart and clean it. And I've shot it a few times and I want to clean it. And he goes, oh, well, let's finish up here with this. And he wrote him a warning ticket for something. And then he put a blanket on the hood of his, uh, on the trunk of his cruiser and showed the guy how to take his gun apart right there on the side of the road. Wow. (laughs) Here's how you take it apart and here's how you put it back together. Wow. People don't understand Mm -hmm. the service that people, (laughs) that police officers give out there. (laughs) And you know, my thing is it, it it's so common that unfortunately uh we now we have people that have they feel they have to watch have to video record every conversation you have with somebody if you can imagine this Royce every person you talk to you have to tape it just to be trusted if you can imagine that yeah uh, and I'll tell people how how does that make you feel how to make you feel and I also would say, how does it make you feel that I, I can't even use any discretion with you because now you put me in enforcement mode every time I talk to you. Uh, I, I can't cut you a break. And believe me, cops have, have used some great discretion that has been benefited people uh, more than hurt people. And, and I don't think society realizes what they've lost. Yes, They've lost that trust. They've and, lost that trust. And they've taken away your discretion. They've taken away discretion. And I will say to that person one time that was a block away from the house that was drunk, now you're not a halfway block from your house. You're going to the other house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I know some friends of mine who got caught having one too many. And uh, they got quite a break. So I think if, if, if people understood that if police officers, if they enforced every law to the nth degree, we don't have a big enough jail to hold everything and everybody. I, really, I, I believe that. And that's very true. And I, and I think people, <laughs> the line, be careful what you ask for. And now you're, now you're getting it. And unfortunately, now you're, you're seeing how, um, I, I have an acronym, L-E-A-P, law enforcement ain't pretty. <laughs> yeah. And you get to see, and I don't, I don't think people should see some of the ugliness. That's what the cops are out there for. For you don't have to see that or deal with that. Right. Now we get up close uh, shots of cops getting killed. People getting hurt, and people still don't understand how unarmed people can get shot if they don't be listening to instruction. Yes. And our society doesn't seem to promote uh, cooperation. It seems to promote uh, pushback. Yes, antagonism and towards antagonism. the agency. Yeah. And when you see uh, unarmed people get shot, people act like that's surprising. I'm like, no, you got people that are doing crazy stuff moving funny, not obeying things to keep them safe. I mean, what do you expect is going to happen? Right. And it is not uh, a surprising thing to me. I don't know why, well, I know why the media pushes it out there like that because it puts more gasoline on the fire. Well, but that's why. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And again, uh, uh, and that has no color to it uh, because a lot of people don't believe this, but there's more than black people getting shot. Yeah. So let's yeah. put that on the record. There you go. Um, I think if uh, 
if people really understood things from y'all's point of view, we'd have a lot more harmony. And I think a big a big first step would be to turn off the news. Uh, I've never seen a flattering story about uh, police officers. Matter of fact, the ones that rushed into that school in Nashville recently and put the shooter down, they're using terms like gunned down and execution. Mm. They're, why are they using those terms? They know good and well that certain terminology evokes certain emotions, but here they are. These people who were heroes and saved many other lives are referred to now as executioners and talked about as if they're thugs gunning people down. Uh, this is why I have a problem with the media Anything the media says about anything uh, anti-police, anything like that, I, I automatically dismiss it now. I, it goes in the trash bin. I will not re-entertain it. I, I don't even bother listening to it because I am sick to death of them dehumanizing the police profession. And that is exactly what they're doing. People need to understand those people, yourself, everybody that has ever put that badge on and put yourself out there and sacrificed yourself, sacrificed much of your life, sacrificed time from your family and gone out there and trying to keep that, uh, that evil underbelly of society uh, away from the, the law-abiding citizenry. Um, they need to understand things from your perspective and not from the perspective of some reporter who just comes up on scene and begins to make uh -huh. conclusions that are not true and uses you know selectively edited video to draw a picture that is not true. So uh, you guys definitely have my respect and my sympathy when it comes to those sort of things. Appreciate uh, yes, sir. Well, appreciate you, Kevin. And I appreciate you being part of the program today. I'm sure we could probably talk for a few more hours. Oh, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> but uh, there's no reason why we can't have Kevin Fane 2.0, all right? Oh, okay. All okay. Right. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to put you on the hook to come back on the program again. Okay. Okay. All right. You all heard him. He can't, he can't weasel out of this one, okay? All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Voice of the Blue. Uh, Kevin, again, thank you for being part of the program today. And if you would, I'd, I'd like you to uh, join me uh, in a prayer for those who are still standing on that blue line out there and doing what you did for 26 years. Our Lord God Almighty, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask you to protect those who stand on that blue line. Let not this day be their end of watch. May you watch over them as they watch over us and keep your guiding, protecting hand upon them. Bring them home safely to their families. Amen. Amen. On behalf of the American Police Hall of Fame, Mr. Kevin Feind, myself, and the producer, we thank you for joining us on this episode of Voice of the Blue. God bless you all.